Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by it Green. Is. It, it is. is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Yes, we are back after a bit of a short break and uh, we went off to relax and chill out and uh, well, we didn't really, <laughs> we didn't at all. It's been a roller coaster month or so uh, in the life of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, my name is Paul Hirons and... Um, I have a confession to make. Normally, my partner in crime, uh, Nathan Palmer, would be here with me. And he was last night. And we recorded an absolutely zinging uh, episode of the podcast. And I went upstairs to edit it. And the whole thing hadn't recorded. So that was really good. Uh, And, you know, I'm being honest because I know that... uh, uh, you like to think that we are uh, beacons of professionalism here, uh, but unfortunately accidents do happen. It wasn't actually an accident; it was some technical malfunction in my recorder. Um, so I'm I'm kind of doing this on my own for a little while, and then I think Nathan is going to join me at some stage on the telephone. Uh, because we have telephones, we can do that kind of thing. Um, and it was all supposed to be like an amazing episode. It probably will be still an amazing episode, not quite as smooth as it was last night, um, because it's our International Women's Day episode, and uh, we did it last year. We had uh, the Bengals' Marissa Contepelli on and Hanya Latif, a British Bengals fan from, from Birmingham. And uh, we have another fantastic guest lined up for you uh, in this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking to, uh, from Cincinnati, uh, news anchor uh, Tanya O'Rourke. And uh, it is well worth a listen. Not only is she a lifelong Cincinnatian, um, she has some incredible journalistic stories that I hope uh, will inspire and just be really interesting to listen to. I was, I was fascinated by it all when I spoke to her. Uh, last week and we can't thank Tanya enough. Uh, We've also got Amy Smith, a British Bengals fan, uh, talking to us a bit later on as well. So it is a packed show, it's just not quite gone the way that I expected or planned really. Um, And yes, uh, as I said, it's not been a quiet uh, month or so in Bengals land. We've had the Combine, we've had uh, the national media's, well, the US national media's ridiculous, relentless uh, narrative, seemingly anti-Bengals narrative that we haven't really spoken to, spoken about rather, on this podcast before because it kind of happened during our little break. And Nathan and I spoke about that last night. Uh, Nathan kind of said, you know, we've just got to get over it um, because, you know, it's always going to happen. Um, there are things that the national media doesn't like, quite obviously, about the Bengals. And I agreed, but it, it just felt like something a bit deeper than um, just a kind of, oh, this does this player really want to play there? It felt like a bit of a, a go at Cincinnati and a, an ongoing go at Cincinnati as a town. But I think also um, a bit of a poor show uh, in terms of 
the US national media's attitude towards small market teams in general. You know, I can't, as I said to Nathan last night, I can't remember this kind of furore uh, when Kyler Murray went to the Cardinals. Maybe there was a bit of that when Baker Mayfield was was in line to go for the Browns, although it wasn't such a, a home run pick. Um, but there, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like what 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 are they talking about? Because it seems that they're against the whole draft process. This is supposed to be how it works, you know. The bad teams get the best players in the draft. It's all about um, trying to uh, help the bad teams gain parity in the league, get better. And, you know, it, it is a flawed system, but it's probably the best system that we've got. So for the US national media to come out and, and, and kind of continue to to foster this weird narrative that Joe Burrow doesn't want to go to play in Cincinnati uh, because Mike Brown's cheap and they don't do anything to win the Super Bowl, etc., etc. And of course, that was that was the the flames were fanned by Carson Palmer himself when uh, he kind of sat down with Dan Patrick and uh, and said what he said. And I think you know a lot of Bengals fans took issue with that really because um, you know the team, the front office had built uh, a team to win the Super Bowl in 2005, and if it wasn't for that horrific freak injury to Carson Palmer, um, we had a real shot that year. Um, and also the Bengals, it's, as it has been said, made Carson Palmer the you know richest man in the NFL by giving him a whopping contract. So there's no problem there with giving people whopping contracts. Um, now, after the, I think I made the point to Nathan that after the injury uh, in 2005, when Carson came back the following season, uh, perhaps you could argue they didn't do enough to kind of really have another go. But the plain fact of the matter is, you know, there was always the case that Carson's play deteriorated on the field right um to the point where i mean his relationship with the bengals was no really not really that tenable and i, I was fine with him going you know not, i know a lot of fans out there took take umbrage with the whole kind of cast and quit thing but you know players do come and they go and heroes come and they go um and with carson i do think that uh if he didn't want to be there, there really wasn't any point in him being there. You know, it's best to get players who really buy into your system and buy into the common cause. And Carson really wasn't at that stage. Now, he didn't go on to pull up any trees in Oakland. It was only when he went to Arizona that he enjoyed that Indian summer uh, a little bit. Um, so it, it kind of perplexed me, that whole, and, and angered me, actually, that whole kind of national media outcry about And you still get people going on about it, you know, to this day, they're still not content with the fact that Joe Burrow came out and kind of said he's got no problem playing for the Bengals. So um, it's probably storming a teacup, really, isn't it? It's just this off-season fallow period when when websites and, and, and radio shows are desperate for listeners and they cr- kind of create stories um, for the clicks. Um so there we go. So it's not been that uh, quiet, really, has it? Uh, we had the Combine, and uh, we had... What else have we had? We'll have more to come in the next week. You know, we're looking at legal tampering. As the show's been recorded on the Tuesday night. 
Um, uh, we've got legal tampering next week, the week after, when uh, franchise tags next week as well. In fact, not next week, in a couple of days, and legal tampering in a couple of days. What am I talking about? And then uh, we have free agency. So um, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. You know, you could get AJ tagged. That's the likelihood. You could get Dalton being traded. You could see Cordy Glenn either being cut or uh, traded. Uh, if anybody will have him. Um, so, yeah, the next week or so is going to be really, really tasty, I think. So so uh, for that reason alone, we will be doing podcasts every week uh, from now up until the draft. We'll have uh, some draft-centric ones uh, nearer and nearer the draft itself. We'll have our live, uh, all being well, uh, our live uh, podcast record at our meetup, which we announced uh, last week in Sheffield on Saturday, the 25th of April. More on that later. Um, but from now until those draft centric episodes, uh, we're going to be coming to you live and direct every week. Well, not live and direct, but we will be there will be an episode every uh, uh, week, um, starting with this one. And then next week's episode, which I do urge you to uh, listen to because uh, uh, it's a goodie. Um, Not that we've recorded it yet, but we've got the guest sorted out and have recorded the guest. And it could be one of our most high profile guests we've ever had. And that, you know, when we've, and that's actually saying something, I'm still perplexed as to how we get these people, but they're willing to come on. And we've got a real goodie for you next week. But, of course, this episode is all about International Women's Day, which took place on Sunday, the 8th of March. It's the 10th today. So a few days uh, behind, but um, I think it's important. We're forever trying to grow our community. And there was, um, as you'll hear in my interview with Tanya in a few moments, that... uh, there was a, a woman on Twitter who who posted a stat from the NFL saying that uh, 47% of all NFL fans are now women, which is fantastically encouraging. And as I say, we, uh, we're forever trying to grow this community over here in the UK. We're forever trying to attract new members. And the hope is that this is not a trendy box-ticking exercise where we... We doff our caps to our female followers and female fans of the NFL once a year. We're very lucky, actually, in in Bengaldom because uh, we're very well served by the likes of uh, Marissa, who came on in last year's International Women's Day special episode. Um, we've had Elise Jesse on. We've had Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Patterson on a few times. Before that, Kat Terrell, when she was working the beat, uh, for ESPN in Cincinnati, um, so we're 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 well blessed with excellent female journalists and female voices within the sport, and we will have Marissa on again. We will have Elise on again very soon, hopefully, and we will certainly have Lindsay on again. Um, but we wanted to make a big deal about about International Women's Day because, as I say, there might be. Um, uh, one of our listeners' daughters or a partner or a partner's friend who kind of have a passing interest in the NFL and they kind of, you know, want to get more involved and they want to know how to do it. And I think the best way to do that is to hear women on podcasts like this talk about their experiences, talk about their passion, talk about their knowledge, talk about 
why they love the sport, why they love the community. And this is what this episode is all about. This is what this special episode is all about. So without further ado, I've spoken uh, far too long. Uh, so here's our special guest. And joining us on the line from Cincinnati is multiple Emmy Award winning senior news anchor for WCPO and co-host of the channel's Flying Pigskin podcast. It's Tanya O'Rourke. Tanya, are you there? I sure am. How are you today? Uh, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Um, good. Now, good. Good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. You're more than welcome. And, and we're thrilled that you could be our special guest on International uh, on our International Women's Day special uh, podcast. Um, I want to throw something at you first of all. Um, now, there's a woman on Twitter called Melissa Jacobs who go who goes by the name of the Football Girl, and she tweeted out a stat from the NFL last week, which said, per the NFL. There are now 88 million female fans. That's 47% of the NFL fan base. I mean, that's an incredible statistic. How do you respond to that? That, that must be fantastic news, right? It's, it's absolutely fantastic, but I'm not surprised. And mm. I think the NFL, I'll give them some props. They've done a great job of trying to encourage more female fans. Right. I mean, you see every October that they're doing breast cancer awareness. All these teams are wearing pink socks and gloves and things like that. Um, even down to the Super Bowl halftime act. I mean, we women wanted to see J-Lo. Right. <laughs> so that was, um, you know, I think that they're doing their very best. All the commercials, targeting apparel is geared toward women. And what a smart move because really, what you know, they men, they've kind of tapped out. Like, okay, we've got all the men. Yeah. But, um we got we got to expand our market and oh wait we buy things we mm. buy jerseys and we're the ones that are going to be thrilled to put on a tailgate you know um, and spend a lot of money to buy the tablecloths that have Bengals on them or whichever team we love mm. so I think it's absolutely brilliant on their part and I and I really think it's it's not a big surprise to me because I I, I feel like I know so many women who are football fans i grew up such a tomboy mm. um it's shocking to me that every day i put on a lot of makeup do my hair and wear a dress for work nice. because i <laughs> you know as a little kid i was playing football tackle football with the boys in the in the um neighborhood we were playing baseball i was always the catcher i was johnny bench from the reds nice. and you know my <laughs> knees were always scraped up and i was covered in dirt and um and I, you know, I was just such a little tomboy. Mm. So, but it, as it turns out, so are so many other women. Mm. And um, and so we've all, you know, I, I feel like a lot of my friends tend to be like me, and they can they can sit and watch football. I went to the University of Tennessee, which football program was not has not been great as of late, but it's a storied program. And mm. when I was there, it was pretty good. And I went to the University of Cincinnati, which football program is getting so much better. Mm. I loved going to football games. And I would go to the game, and not just to be in college, you were someone's date going to a game. I was someone's date, maybe, but I enjoyed being there and watching it. And, and, and I would ask questions like, what's that formation? And why do they do that? And what's happening? Mm. Because I didn't want to sound silly when I watched the game. Sure. And so I've, I've been really blessed. I have five brothers too, though you got to realize. Right. <laughs> I grew up with one sister and five brothers, so my sister was always the girly girl. I was down um, in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you cover the NFL on the news, it's obviously going to be Bengals-based mm -hmm. because it's a Cincinnati station, right? So, um, and you right. kind of answered this question, but 
Talking Cincinnati specifically, do those stats bear out when you go to Bengals games or, uh, I don't know, the University of Cincinnati games, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, and now we've got soccer in the the city as well. Um, Do 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 you notice a, a decent gender balance? Absolutely. I think that that's pretty on, that those statistics that you threw out are pretty much, I would think, just based on my, you know, semi-educated guess of, of watching and, and, you know, being around people, absolutely, that that seems to bear out here as well, that these, there are so many female fans here of the NFL, whether that, I mean, it's hard to be a Bengals fan sometimes, as you probably know, <laughs> yes. um, but it's, yeah, for sure, but um, yeah, you know, all of my friends go to games, mm. all, all these women I know are always going to games, and when you go to the games, you know, sure, there are a lot of men there, but I, I feel like women are in are are equivalent. Like there's a, maybe just a slight bit fewer women mm. than men, okay. and little girls too now. Right, okay. seeing little girls at a game is pretty cool. Yeah, that's absolutely cool. Um, right, when we get our uh, International Women's Day special guests on, I like to ask them about their career and how they got there. Now, you've been doing this for 27 years, Tanya. Um, mm-hmm. Where did you get started in your in your career in journalism, and, and and how did it all kind of develop? Well, honestly, I got my start right here at WCPO in Cincinnati. I was going to school at the University of Cincinnati. It was going to take me a little bit longer than I, than four years, and you know, in the United States to go to college is what it's supposed to be. Mm. But it was going to take me four and a half because I had transferred. So I told my parents I would get a job in my chosen field. So I begged every TV station to let me have a job. And Channel 9 let me have one. Mm-hmm. And I, um, so WCPO did. And I, I was working at like as a weekend assignment editor and as a writer during the week while I finished up school. Mm-hmm. So I started here. I left for a little bit to go to another market. Um, but that was just a year. And then I came back um, as a reporter after graduation. And um, so I really, you know, I, I grew up, though, with my dad worked in television, not as a journalist. He worked on the production side. Actually, he produced Red Games for television. Mm-hmm. And um, I would, and so maybe it was doomed to be a sports fan. But um, I, I really kind of understood television. Mm. And I really love the idea of telling stories. So for me, journalism just was a perfect fit. Mm. And I, so I, I really learned my craft here where I'm, I'm so lucky that I get to be their main anchor. Mm. And um, that was my dream as a child was I wanted to grow up and be a main anchor at a TV station in Cincinnati. And there I am, you mm. know, it's, it's so to me, it's been pretty amazing that I could do it. It's so rare to get to do that in your own hometown. So mm. many people have to really travel from city to city and market to market and grow like they start out in the smallest market as a reporter and you you know move your way up and then you go back down to a small market as an anchor and you you move your way up but I've always been so incredibly blessed to stay home um, and and do all of that within the confines of of this one particular TV station they've been fantastic about promoting me and I appreciate it so that's really where I learned. You know, I, I learned from some incredible journalists here um, that uh, that are no longer here. Obviously, they've gone long retired, but they taught me how to um, how to ask questions, how to listen. Mm. And one of them went on to I don't know if you're familiar with her, but her name's Gretchen Carlson. She's been a big ad a person in the Me Too movement, right? 
if you saw the movie Bombshell, mm-hmm. she, it's based on her story. Oh, well, yes, and of course. Yeah, Gretchen, yeah. Right, Gretchen was a reporter here when I was still in college, and she took me under her wing and really taught me, and she had gone to Stanford University. She was just, she's an incredibly intelligent woman and strong. She really is a fierce person, mm-hmm. and um, she taught me how to be that and how to c- conduct myself. And, um, and especially journalistically, and, but also as a woman, mm. because this is a tough business for women. And if you've seen, like, for example, the movie Bombshell, we get all kinds of th- things thrown at us that you shouldn't have to experience mm. in, um, in a workplace environment. And I am very lucky that it, I have not had it nearly as much as other people. But, um, you know, she she really she and others taught me how to stand up and say, Hey, no way back Mm. off Mm. and, and really become, be an incredible professional. Do you feel that you mentioned the, the kind of the the awful sort of chauvinism and misogyny that still exists, especially in, in, in industries like TV journalism, you could say sports as well. You could say that a Mm -hmm. lot of industries and, and vocations still suffer from that. Um, do you think it's got better mm-hmm. over the years? Oh, absolutely. When I first started in this industry, um, you know, <clears throat> I, I feel really strongly that I there were so many people who could just say anything to you and you would mm. never bat an eye at it because, you know, you had to just grin and just look past it. I never, I want to be clear, no one ever like pinned me against a wall or tried to, you know, sure. do crazy things to me but um but i did have you know people would make really really comments that would not be tolerated in any manner today Mm. um and so yeah now it's 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 very sanitized for lack of a better way to put it you know it's a it's a much more wholesome place to be but i'll I'll say even this you know i'm about to start i want to start a series talking about women who are really doing incredible things in our community and so someone suggested I talk to this one young lady. I haven't gotten the interview to the chance to do it because she's at spring training for the Reds right now. But you talk about sports. Mm. She's 22, mm. and she's the director of, I don't know what it is, but, you know, Moneyball, the movie Moneyball, where they yeah. they look at all the statistics to figure out who to play when. Mm-hmm. That's that's her job Wow. for a Major League Baseball team in Cincinnati. And she's just out of college. She's bright as can be. And Major League Baseball put started her in a training program while she was in college and, and so here she is off doing it. And I think that it has it's had to take uh, the NFL and Major League Baseball and, and, and organizations like that to say we need to start bringing more women into our, you know, into our communities to make them part of it and, and really teach them, you know, that this is not just about sports. It's really a business, too. Mm. Um, but you're starting to see more and more executives um, in, in all kinds of sports. I think it's pretty fantastic. Mm. Uh, I think that is. I think it's really encouraging. Um, I just want to talk about your career again, uh, Tanya, if that's okay. Now, I I mentioned at the top you've won Emmys for your reporting. Uh, And I know, Mm -hmm. you know, being it's weird being a Bengals fan like 5,000 miles away. But uh, but when you support... Yeah, I can't imagine. (laughs) But when you support a team for for as long as I have, you take an interest in the city itself. And having visited Mm -hmm. there a few times... You want to go and visit, like over the Rhine and places like that, um, and it's fair to say that the city has undergone pretty dramatic changes in the past decade or so. 
what have been the most kind of memorable stories you've covered in your time? Well, I've been a ton. And um, as far as Emmys are concerned, um, it, this is very, it feels self-serving. So I, I apologize for that. But <laughs> I, get, I donated a, one of my kidneys okay. to a woman who needed it. And the first Emmy I won was my story based on what it was like to go through that process. Right. I didn't set out, set out to give her a uh, kidney to tell a story. But as it turned out, um, being an advocate for something like organ and tissue donation in that way mm. really became its own like third job. You mm. know, mm. people co- contact me every day asking what what it was like, and um, so covering that story. Obviously, I was sound asleep for most of it, but, sure, <laughs> but when sure, I did yeah. get to tell that story, that was that was extremely impactful personally. Mm. We've had some really incredible stories. I recently just did a half hour documentary. Um, I'm sorry, hour documentary. I apologize on. We had a situation happen in 1979 here called the, um, for a long time we called it the Who Tragedy, but it had nothing to do with, the band did nothing wrong. But the band, the Who, mm. came to perform here and a bunch of kids got crushed to death trying to get into the concert and 11 mm. kids died. Wow. I was 10. Wow. But I remember it because it also was, the, watching that coverage made me want to be a journalist. Mm. So, um, flash forward, this was a, this past December was the 40th anniversary of it. The Who, the band members, Roger Daltrey, Pete, mm. Pete um, Townsend, had never spoken of it, not in any detail, right. and not to journalists, for sure. And so they, by the grace of God, I have no idea why, um, we appealed to them, and they allowed us to go interview them. Wow. And they sat with us collectively, along with their manager, Bill Kirbishley. Um, we sat with them for, you know, probably two hours. That's and incredible. conducted interviews collectively, like, you know, each of them were probably like 40 minutes. Sure. And um, we put together a full hour about what happened that night and how, and we talked to survivors. We talked to people whose parent, whose children died that night mm. or sisters or brothers died that night. And the incredible impact it has had on this community, because, you know, at that point, you know, this is like a Monday night in December and 15 year old kids, 14 year old kids were going downtown by themselves with friends to go see a concert, a rock concert. Sure, yeah. And you just expected that they would come home and it really sort of shattered the innocence of this community. I yeah. grew up in a community where three of three of the 11 kids died. And so I got to tell their stories and the who so great graciously let me tell their story. And yeah. um, now for the first time after that, you know, during that interview, I asked if they'd ever come back. And they're like, we're going to come back. Oh, so wow. for the first time in 40 years, they're coming back this April. So I have to say that is the greatest story I've ever gotten to tol- tell. And I believe I was born to tell that story. I was right. born in the community that had three children who died out of the 11. Um, my brother was supposed to go that night and didn't. And he was greatly, but he lost two of his best friends and mm. that night. And um, he was greatly damaged by it. Mm. And so was the community in which I grew up in, specifically inside of Cincinnati. And, um, and so then here I end up being the main anchor at a TV station and run into a friend who's been working, um, you know, on a charitable thing of regarding these kids who died and says, hey, I have some contact with the who. Do you want to see if you want to do something? And mm. next thing you know, it's all coming together. So I, I got to say that is the greatest story I've gotten to tell. Um, and I, I have ever, I just feel so grateful that I I was able to do it and that I was afforded the opportunity to speak to all those people. 
because I think 50 years would have been too long. Yeah. And um, too many people would have been too old. Mm. So that's a great one. We've we've had, um, you know, serial killers on trial that I've covered. We've had police, a police officer who shot a black man, an unarmed black man, go Mm. go on trial um, twice. And I've I've gotten to cover all of those in depth. Mm. Um, we're going to talk Bengals very briefly in a second, but I want to ask you to. I know, right? Let's bring the mood right down. Um, uh, <laughs> what? What? I mean, we have lots of uh, parents listening with young girls, and there are you know we have mm-hmm. female listeners too. Um, what would you? What advice would you give to any aspiring young female journalists out there? Oh goodness! Um, I always joke, don't do it, but because <laughs> it's, t- it's a tough job, it really is, and it's and especially television journalism. It has changed so dramatically. It is um, an incredibly competitive space. Hmm. But here's what I'd tell you: if you, I was a kid who grew up a huge consumer of news. I loved to watch news. I loved to know what was going on. I loved political science. You know, I, I just I really absorbed all of it. And if it is in your blood, as it is mine, mm. you can't stand the idea of when something big happens, you're not part of it in some way, then go for it. And all I would say to you, to these young girls out there specifically, learn how to do everything because no longer are you just you know, a presenter or an anchor, mm-hmm. um, or just a reporter or just a photographer or just someone who's working on the web, you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, learn how to tell stories, learn how to listen and learn to do everyone's job because that I can't even envision what five and 10 years look like now, mm-hmm. uh, into the future for television news, but I know it's, it's going to keep changing rapidly. We're, we're on our phones. You're getting your news on your, on your phone mm. more often than not now. And so what are, you know, you're getting it on demand. You're, you're saying, Oh, I don't want to watch that story out, but I'll, I, this one's interesting to me and you'll click on the story. So, um, we have to find new and interesting ways to reach our audience. And, um, they're just moving to different spaces all the time. So as long as you have that passion inside of you, if that's what you really want, mm. pursue it, pursue it doggedly. Don't give up and don't take no for an answer, but be sure you're learning all of the aspects of it because it may be the only way you have a job. Tony, this is great stuff. I could talk. It sounds like you know you're the, the most amazing person to go for a drink with in a pub. You've got so many amazing stories, uh, but we need to talk. Well, I'll make you a deal. Okay. When you when you come to Cincinnati again, you let me know and I'll take you out. Okay. And if I, I've never been to England, and but when I plan oh. to go soon, and when I do. You can take me out for a drink. That sounds absolutely... It's a deal. It is a deal. Okay, um, deal. <laughs> um, uh, so, Bengals, briefly. I, I'm interested to yeah. know your opinion on this because you're a journalist and an excellent journalist and you can kind of see through the veneer of presentation and get underneath it to the real kind of narrative here. But I want to know your opinion on the recent coverage of the Bengals by the national media. I mean, us fans cry mm. media bias against... Not just the organization, you know, the front office, but also the city as well. It really has felt like that. What did you make of it all yeah. during the combine and the borough stuff? Oh. oh, he doesn't want to go to the Bengals. How could he want to go to the Bengals? All that kind of stuff. I'm not too hung up on it, but I'm interested to know your uh, opinion about that. Well, so I think a lot of national journalists don't realize what we local journalists do. Hmm. 
Joe Burrow's girlfriend lives in a community called Mason, which mm-hmm. is about 15 miles north of Cincinnati. It is Cincinnati. Yeah. It's his longtime girlfriend. I think he'll be thrilled to come to Cincinnati because his girlfriend will be thrilled that he's coming to Cincinnati. So let's just start right there. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot of bunk that the national media was making this out to be way more than it was. It's a great storyline. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the greatest quarterback to come out in, his, you know, in, in, in the last five, ten years and going to a team that has just been a perennial loser with a front office that, I mean, the front office deserves a lot of criticism. It Mm. really does. Mm. Um, And so I get it. It's an organization that, until Marvin Lewis came along, had been floundering ethically. Mm. Mm. And then Marvin really brought it forward quite a bit, but just couldn't get it to the next level. Mm. And so now you've got this you've got this perfect storm of what a terrible team. I mean, we were one in 15 last year, right? <laughs> we two, and f- two, and yeah. two and 14. Two, two and 14. Two, yes. It we, felt we, like one in 15. Yeah, I know, right? Two important ones. And then, um, you know, our, our coach is really young and mm. completely unproven. We've got a front office that is um, boring. I mean, it's just, you know, they're not bad people. They're just not very interesting people mm. and they seem to have you know from our opinion as, as fans and journalists you know they seem to be a bit out of touch with how to build a team and they control the purse strings and now they say that they're going to go after impact um, players in the off season, which mm. sounds great because you can no longer draft a great team mm. you just can't you've got to get get um, other players so um, you know, I think some of the criticism about the team is absolutely warranted. About the city, not at all. Hmm. This is a great city. This is this city um, has more arts um, and sports per capita. I, I would challenge anyone to tell me who has more. Hmm. We are an interesting city. It's an incredible city, but it's a quiet city. I mean, hmm. we we are, we like being a uh, you know well kept secret. Our food scene is incredible. Our bar scene is getting absolutely incredible. And we have three major league teams. We have huge colleges around here that have big teams as well. Mm. And um, we have, like, you've been here, you've been to OTR. It's, this, this city itself has, is experiencing an, an, a renaissance. Mm. And um, it's a great place to raise your children. It's a great place to live. There's lots of things to do. Every weekend, there's, you know, just a slew of activities. Mm-hmm. People here love to go out and have a good time. So to, to, to hit on the city is really wrong. To hit on the, the front office, okay, do that. They probably deserve that a lot. But I have never, ever, ever thought that Joe Burrow didn't want to come here. I thought all of that was people projecting that, thinking why in the world would he want to come here. He's from... He went to Ohio University, mm. which is, you know, two and a half hours by drive from here. Or that, I'm sorry, he grew up in Ohio at, in Athens, which mm. is where Ohio University is. His dad was the co- one of the coaches at Ohio University. He went to the Ohio State University in Columbus, an hour and a half north of here, before transferring. Um, he he's an Ohio guy, mm. and his again, the person he seems to be, you know, very interested in on a personal perspective, grew up here. Mm. So I think that he, this was always just a bunch of national media just taking pot shots. Mm. Well, I agree with you. And that's a good, positive note to end things on. Tony, that was a a fantastic (laughs) chat. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. 
Um, and I think you're thank an, you. I appreciate it. I had a ton of fun. I think you're an inspirational woman, and I hope that uh, that has inspired uh, listeners out there to to kind of get involved with journalism if they want to, or just be a Bengals fan. That's 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 all we can ask for. Um, Tanya, thank you so I'm much again. I'm a Bengals fan. Okay, cool. Thank Th- you. Take care. Hooday. Thanks for the time. Hooday to you, Tanya. Bye now. There we go. That was Tanya O'Rourke, and many thanks to Tanya for joining us. And I tell you what, I mean. I was watching the clock tick by and I thought, oh man, this is a long interview. I might have to cut this down. But I played it out in pretty much its entirety, in its entirety because she just kept coming out with amazing story after amazing story. I could have listened. Enough. People will laugh at this, but I could, uh, yes, I'm going to trot this catchphrase out now. I could, I could talk to her all day because she, she's just so full of uh, passion and knowledge uh, and insider knowledge from Cincinnati, the stories of people, stories of the news and politics and culture. Um, and, of course, sport as well. Sport plays a huge part in, in the lives of those who live in Cincinnati. So uh, many thanks to uh, Tanya for joining us. And you can follow her on Twitter at Tanya O'Rourke. Now, uh, before we get to Amy, um, just a quick note on... Um, and meet up in April. Now, obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world at the moment. It's a very fluid situation at the moment, um, and you all know what I'm talking about. Um, we do have a meet up in place for Saturday, the 25th of April, uh, at the Red Deer in Sheffield. We've been there before, and we'll go there again. And what we've got planned, it, it should be fantastic. You know, uh, we'll be watching day three of the draft live on the big screen. Uh, We will be recording a podcast and that will be full of reaction to hopefully uh, Joe Burrow being the number one pick. Uh, We'll find out what they're going to do at 33. Who knows? Um, And uh, we'll also, for the first time, we'll have a a big screen set up. Another bit, well, not as big as the big screen for the draft, but we we will have a smaller screen set up uh, with uh, Madden on it, so everyone can have a little go, and we can have a little tournament there and there. So it should be a really good day. However, uh, you know we're going to be watching the situation uh, closely, and we'll make a decision by the end of this month uh, about whether the meetup will go ahead. So do stay tuned to our social channels, and that is on Twitter. Uh, at today underscore UK and on Facebook uh, at Bengals UK. It really is unprecedented times and I'm, I'm suffering from sinusitis at the moment so I've been in kind of indoors for the past week which has been no real fun but uh, and uh, yeah it's pretty crazy. So yeah we're going to be keeping a close eye on things and being sensible and getting views from our followers to see what they feel about the situation uh, and if it doesn't go ahead, that's fine. We will, uh, well, we'll be definitely having meetups later on in the year. And, uh, well, as promised, uh, and as we did last year, actually, um, we have a British female Bengals fan. Uh, this year, we're going to be talking to Amy Smith. And now joining us, uh, we promised a British Bengals fan, a female girl version of a British Bengals fan, and here she is. It's Amy Smith. Amy, are you there? Hello. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm. Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. 
Good. Um, now, we spoke earlier before uh, tonight and you were having a bit of a pasta meltdown. Did Please reassure me and all the listeners that um, the pasta dish was delicious and uh, crisis was averted. Oh, yeah, the pasta is incredible. Okay. Yeah, obviously, I made it, so it had to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, last year we had um, Hanya from Birmingham on. Uh, on our International Women's Day uh, special podcast, and uh, uh, I know that um, it's uh, this is important to you, right? And uh, so, did you do anything special for International Women's Day yesterday, or I uh, mean, how do you celebrate it? Uh, every day is International Women's Day in my world. Yes. Um, so it wasn't really a massive deal to me to do anything. I know that sounds really weird, um, but just when you're doing it every day, you're in, you know you're fighting against stuff every single day. It's like it's just Sunday, <laughs> um, right? Right. So I decided to give everyone a bit of a break. I yeah, think. yeah. And I'd, I'd had enjoyed a few wines the night before. So right. It was just you know rehydrated <laughs> <laughs> so you took it easy yesterday let everyone else kind of chat about International Women's Day because you do it every other day so let you had a day yeah, off a well earned day off yesterday definitely and there's so much stuff going out there anyway I thought you know what there's lots of people doing really cool things and I'll just let them do their thing yeah Okay, well, when it when it comes to the NFL, um, I think there was yeah. I, I quoted a stat earlier with our interview with Tanya Arook that uh, I think someone put it out there that forty seven percent of uh, a fan NFL fans I'm not quite sure whether this is worldwide or in the states and now up to forty seven percent, which is incredible. Now you you are a pro photographer and you worked at which is where I first met you. Um, at the Admiralty last year at the Bengals pub but it wasn't just the Bengals you worked uh, for every weekend the international games were on what did you notice in terms of gender balance uh, during those weekends? Uh, it was pretty it, pretty close to that stat actually Right. Um, it, I reckon if you did a head count and did an average and all that kind of stuff however these mathematical geniuses do these things yeah. um, I reckon it wouldn't be far off of that right okay. um, but genuine fans people that genuinely love it and not just oh, I'm here with him which is how I became a fan right but, you know so um, your, but, your, your partner was into it first and then you caught that what was it about the game itself that kind of uh, attracted you it was just different than anything I'd ever seen before it was intriguing because of it stopping a lot. Why? Is, why do they keep stopping all the time? Yeah. And that it then it was just on all the time. Yeah. So I figured I could instead of fighting it and being oh you turn that off you watching that again I was yeah. like, you know what? I can get on board with this. I like sport anyway, so it was just another one to add to the list. So what what did you do to get into the game? Because um, as I say, it's notoriously quite difficult to pick up. Uh, whatever, whoever you are, really. Um, how did you kind of get deeper into it? Um, just, and it just sounds really douchey, but just watching it mm. and not being afraid to ask questions and feel stupid. Mm. Um, and thankfully, the people I've met have all been very lovely. And if there is a question that I didn't know, they haven't gone, oh, God, I can't believe you didn't know that. Yeah. Can't be a real fan. <laughs> Which you get 
in other sports. I tend to, you know, you get that in another sport. If you don't know the, uh, the manager's brother's dad's birth, you know, you're not right, a real right. fan. But it's not like that in the NFL. They're like, oh, that's just because of that. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. So have you have you found if you, you found that though with the NFL is it less territorial than other games is it less aggressive I want to say less kind of you know because the majority of fans still are male and you know in other sports it can get quite territorial and aggressive um, but I I don't necessarily yeah, I don't think see it's that as so much. I don't think it's as laddie. There's not this. I think football is like lad. Are like underlying lad culture to it, yeah. where even if you're a female fan of football, you're expected to be a laddie female. You know, you're just going still drink the beers and be like, hey, yeah, one of the lads, but you're not yeah. like that in NFL. You're just who you are, but you like the football. Um, there's still a few, and obviously, there's going to be um, people in every sport that. Are a bit horrible still towards female. I had a guy at the Rams game that was a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't put it down to any other reason than he'd probably never seen a woman before in his life. But that's <laughs> <Right>. okay. <laughs> what, where, do but, you, yeah. where do you think that kind of thing comes from? That kind of weird. I guess it's. Is it fear? It's. I don't know. Is it territorialism? What, what is it? I think for, I think it comes from quite young. Mm. You know, I was told at school that football was for boys right. and dance was for girls. Yeah. Yeah, you know, even at, in a young, like during PE and stuff at school, it was no, you don't play football. Mm. The boys play football and the girls play netball. Yeah. I was like, well, what if I want to play football? Well, no, you, you just don't. Right. And I think it come, it, you kind of build, you instill that in people at such a young age yeah. that you grow up and then when you say that, oh, I really like watching football, people go, Oh really? So it's more. It's more a case. Okay. It's a more a case of. Is it more a case of like this is ours because we've been taught this is ours and that's yours and you're not allowed to have this? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it's the same as guys that do like ballet. Right. I think that your initial reaction would be, oh, he's doing ballet. Right. But yeah. He's a bloke. Yeah. You know, it, it's the same thing reversed. But when I say, "Oh, I really like NFL," I get the same thing. And people go, "Do," oh. but it, like, there's no reason that I can't. Not. It's just we're taught from such a young age yeah. that football's for boys, you know, or dancing, or whatever it is. And I think that it just kind of carries on yeah. until you get people like me that are trying to unravel it and go. And actually, I can be a girl that likes wearing makeup, but also. Likes drinking a beer and going to watch the football. Yeah. We we can do it both. We can do both. So, what was the atmosphere that feel like in the pubs that you you worked at last year and during the international games? Um, did it f did it feel kind of welcoming and inclusive? Yeah, yeah. There was no "Why are you here?" doing mm. it. There was no um, "I'm a girl, so we're going to treat different." Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were all very lovely. Everybody was very lovely. Yeah, and um, and how? And I think part of it's just excitement, really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're right. They're going going to get there to see their team, and plus they're in a room full of fans of their team, which doesn't happen very regularly over here, does it? Let's face it. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So how how 
or you know we're hoping that uh, you know our listeners with daughters or fre- female friends or people who are kind of have a passing interest in the NFL might have heard it we're hoping that you know they will kind of say well you know if you want a team to support go and support the Bengals and listen to this podcast and go and join their group I mean what would you say to uh, or advice would you give to any female who was kind of uh, thinking about uh, kind of getting into the sport and into the community uh, just go for it don't worry about oh god are they going to think that I'm a bit of a boy or whatever just, if you like it and you're interested just go for it Yeah. Um, find the UK team or wherever you're based find, find people that like it don't be afraid to sound stupid if you don't understand what's going on ask somebody what the hell are they doing why are they doing that why have they now just swapped those lads on the pitch for the other one that's the only way I did it good stuff and uh, we're obviously approaching the draft let's talk Bengals very quickly Uh, excited are you expecting us to draft Joe Burrow would that be an exciting thing for you if we do uh, yeah, I'm excited, but I'm I'm a little sceptical, so I'm still like very like let's just can't keep a lid on it for a minute because <laughs> anything could happen. Yeah, um, yeah. Both me and Dan obviously both want Joe. I think the whole of the Bengals fan base wants Joe, um, but we're trying to keep a lid on it for mm. a minute because although we think it's 90% there. Yeah. There's a part of me that's really worried that they're going to just do something completely stupid. Yeah. And we're all going to be sat there shouting at the TV or everything. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll I'll only believe it when I see it, I think. And, uh, me too. We'll see. Amy, uh, where can people get you? You're a pro photographer. You're doing lots of good stuff at the moment. Um, where can people see you on social media? I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, just search Amy Smith Photos and you'll find me. Usually talking rubbish. Um, <laughs> occasionally there's some good shots, but yeah, yeah that's where I am. All right. Uh, thanks, Amy. Uh, it's always good to talk to you and hopefully I will see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Well, that was Amy Smith there. Many thanks to Amy for joining us yet again. And... Uh, once again, I would uh, recommend following Amy because she does some brilliant uh, stuff on Instagram uh, and Twitter and uh, no doubt many of you will remember Amy from last year at the Admiralty. Now, as I say, uh, this is an International Women's Day uh, special podcast, so if um, if anybody out there, any uh, female Bengals fans, want to join in and actually play the game... Uh, you can go to www.britishamericanfootball.org and there is a section for uh, women's football on that site. Um, and there's a really great uh, article on BBC, actually. Um, and that is uh, www.bbc.co.uk slash sport slash get hyphen inspired. And from there, you'll be able to uh to see how you can get into american football um right i've just heard from nathan he won't be able to make it tonight so unfortunately you just got me again i'm so sorry about this This is supposed to be like a really smooth professional 
uh, <laughs> episode. But we do have some questions. We always have some great questions from our um, our readers and contributors and followers. So let's get to it. And of course, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at today underscore UK and Bengals UK on Facebook. Um, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Andy is probably going to go. Where do you want him to go? Where do you want to go? It's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, me and Nathan were discussing this last night. And I think we both concluded it has to be Chicago, really. Um, We wouldn't want him to go to the Patriots necessarily because Belichick's been kind of stirring the pot as he normally does. Um, Yeah, I think Chicago is a logical place because Trubisky seems to be, unless he improves dramatically, there could be a changing of the guard there. Uh, They don't have too much draft capital. Um, But I tell you what, the big thing for me is the fact that Bill Lazor is the new offensive coordinator there. So it makes a ton of sense all across the board. And good for Andy. You know, they've got a decent base there, great defence, some weapons on offence. Um, so, don't know. You're going to go Indianapolis? You're going to go Tampa Bay? You're going to go the Chargers? It's, I've said it once and I'll say it again. It's going to be a fascinating offseason when all these quarterbacks kind of play musical chairs and uh, kind of end up where they end up. And a lot of people are saying, you know, the domino effect will begin when Brady, if Brady leaves the Patriots. I mean, can you see Dalton playing for the Patriots? I mean, I can. He is that quick-release kind of West Coast guy, and that's what they like up there. But I don't know. I think Chicago, even though they haven't got too much draft capital, I think that's a good landing spot uh michael smith at solid underscore handle what kpis would you set joe burrow for his rookie season uh, i'm not too big on kpis but again we we kind of discussed it and, and nathan made a good point actually that you know if and when the bengals draft joe burrow that's going to cause huge excitement so you could have a kpi on average home attendance i think that will shoot up in ima- immediately um and, you know, I'd be interested to see his accuracy uh, because he's he's vaunted for his accuracy. And I wonder if that will transfer to the NFL. Because um, I have been watching, obviously, I've been watching stuff from from Burrow online. And I keep saying, you know, people are going mad for these plays where he um, kind of dances around and extends the play and then flings it down the field. And that's spectacular and great. Great, uh, great entertainment. That's what you want to see from a quarterback. But I tell you, I've often thought, I thought, you know, he's not going to be able to get away with that in the NFL as much. Um, So I'm interested in his completion rate. I'm interested in his accuracy. Uh, I'm also interested in his, uh, the ratio for uh, how many uh, Gold Star or Skyline chilies he eats and to flatulence. Uh, whether he can sort of balance that out, but he's an Ohio kid, so he should be, he should be, uh, he should have gastrointestinal fortitude. Should uh, Joe? Um, okay, uh, Bianco Verde at Bianco Verde. Uh, Bengals should be in total reboot mode. Everything should be up for grabs. This is the moment to do things differently and really give ourselves a shot at the moon. 
question to you guys is, do you think we go all out? I suspect not, given our history of conservatism. I think there will be activity, though. Um, I think uh, Jeff Hobson put in his uh, one of his articles yesterday or the day before that uh, he expects... Uh, the Bengals to enter the duel, I think, with Jeff, Uncle Jeff's words. And uh, he kind of said, uh, there are too many uh, lights on late at night at PBS. You know, something is going on. And you dearly hope so, because uh, for this team to be turned around, they need to draft well. And they need to add players uh, in free agency and or trades, you know, um, they have to really go all out. Whether they will, I think they'll do it in their own way. I'm not expecting, uh, I'd be surprised, actually, pleasantly surprised, obviously, if they went after a player like Joe Tooney or um, Brandon Scherf or uh, Gl- Graham Glasgow on the offensive line. Uh, I'd be pleasantly surprised if they went over a Corey, went after a Corey Littleton or someone like that, although I think a, a Nick Kwiatkowski is a more viable option for us. So I think I think they will. I think they're going to add players, um, but it's just a case of uh, how much they're going to go for. I mean, you kind of... I don't... As fans, you know, I don't think we ask for too much. We're not asking to break the bank. We've got long-term deals um, for AJ, hopefully in the pipeline, um, we've got uh, Joe Mixon's deal coming up if they decide to decide to extend him. Um, so we're not asking for the front office to break the bank and do like Miami silly things, but I think targeted, uh, focused additions uh, and approaches would be fantastic. And uh, it's interesting to see how they do it, where they will change their. Um, kind of structured contract whether they change the structure of their contracts because the Bengals are not famed for uh, putting a lot of money up front it's more of a structured thing anyway uh, Martin Greer at Martin Greer 73 couldn't think of anything so any tips for the Cheltenham Festival who day who day to you Martin uh, I'm not a big horse racing fan I'm really not um, uh, so I don't, I don't know, uh, and Nathan didn't know either. Sorry, Martin. But, however, Jamie has come to the rescue at Trick White Beast to take a coat in case it rains. You can never drink too much water. Eat before you go before the, because the concessions will cost too much. And there's a lovely hotel just above Presbury called the Rising Sun. So there you go, Martin. Maybe you should have a private word with Jamie for some tips. Uh, Richard, always open, 85. Bengals are being rumoured to be active in free agency. We shall see. But assuming it's true, who would your ideal free agent pickup be? Tricky one. The wide receiver core could be in trouble if they don't get AJ sorted out and they decide not to take up John Ross's uh, option, which I don't expect them to. Um, But, you know, the wide receiver... Depth in the draft is supposed to be amazing, so I wouldn't be surprised to to see the team pick someone up um, relatively early. Um, who else? I mean, the offensive line. I think I don't think they're going to go tackle. I think it'll be more guards. So ideal, you're looking at you know Sheriff Glasgow Tooney, but they're going to get big money. So we'll see. Yes, I think my ideal free agent pickup would be a linebacker. Uh, I'm going for Nick Kwiatkowski. Um, 
Uh, actually, our very own Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan has written two fantastic free agency guides where he's gone through some free agents and uh, and kind of marked them as likely ones to avoid, ones that would be ideal if money were no object. Um, you know, I, w- I would, you know, if money was no... Uh, was no object I'd like to see them go for um, a Chris Jones or an Eric Armstead on the defensive line that would be something wouldn't it but they're not going to go for someone like that really but I mean it will soon be revealed so yeah you can check Duncan's free agency guide uh, on our blog which is uh, bengalsuk.wordpress.com Jazz Dylan at J Dylan J has asked will AJ play for the Bengals next season um, I'm going to say yes, but there's a chance. And uh, we've got a question. Andrew Dockerell uh, at Dockers77 has written some fantastic uh, mock drafts for us on the blog uh, in the past couple of weeks. So do go and check those out. Um, he asked the question, would you take a first and a fourth from the Patriots for AJ and Andy? And I think we both agreed that we would, even though it would be, you know, tr- tricky to kind of handle. But, you know, another first at the bottom could get you that prize linebacker, perhaps. Another fourth could get you another decent offensive lineman. We also had another question. I think it was some Dockers as well. He was on fire in, in with the questions yesterday. He asked us whether we would take... Uh, or trade for, trade a second, trade our uh, second round number thirty three pick for Trent Williams, and I said no initially, but uh, Nathan argued that he would because he's virtually plugging in plays, one of the best tackles in the league, um, and I was coming around to that idea because you know it's always a risk with a draft, isn't it? So. Um, I think maybe a plug-in-and-play guy like uh, like Trent Williams would be very appealing if they if they were really going to go for it. Uh, maybe they trade, you know, Cordy Glenn and another pick. Maybe they could package it up that way, you know. Um, but yeah, it was, the more I thought about it, the more I listened to Nathan uh, and his dulcet cockney tones um, uh, talk about it. I, the more I was behind the idea. Uh, Matt Moon at Matt Moon, uh, who is the best at Madden between Paul and Nathan. Uh, see, obviously, as you can imagine, Nathan went on about him being uh, the best, and uh, he's probably right on this occasion, really. I've never been much of a gamer, uh, but I reckon I could sneak in there and take him. Um, okay, so um, that's about it for now. Oh, Peter Dadwell asked whether a uh, question about Joe Burrow's hands, whether nine inches was more than enough. And uh, I'm not really into the combine stuff, really, to be honest with you. Um, although I understand people why. And it also, it's much more difficult for UK uh, fans to watch a combine this year because they put it on in prime time. That's the new development, isn't it? That's a bit weird. However, I'm not really into it, and I'm not really into the metrics and all that kind of stuff. I know, I'm sorry, I'm not, um, you know, but I understand where people are. Um, but, uh, you know, his hands are fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's your lot for our International Women's Day episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Apologies for the non-Nathan this week. Um, he will be back next week. Um 
And uh, I mentioned that we've got a really special, special guest next week. And I'm delighted to say that uh, Hugh Jackson will be joining us. I was going to say in the sewing room, that, well, that would be ridiculous. But uh, he will be joining us next week. And I, I'm, I'm, I can say that because normally when I get guests, um, we speak to them live while we record. And there's always a slight chance they're not going to pick up or they're going to, you know, not be around or and it's all going to go flat on our faces you know so i never tend to uh, reveal who the guest is until that guest has actually physically spoken to us uh and i'm happy to say that i i well i'm happy to confirm that i spoke to hugh jackson last week so i'm more than okay with telling you guys that it's hugh jackson joining us next week and it's it's good stuff and as you can imagine he's he's the loveliest man so um do join us next week uh we'll be back on normal time on monday evening uh but until that uh monday evening it's a who day from me and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the cincinnati bengals organization